Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for you. Traveling through time and space, it's the podcast of timey-wimey proportions, Podcastica. Now... Here's John and Taylor. Thank you, Irving, and hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 106 of Podcastica here on NOTLG.com, Terror of the Vervoids. It's what we talked about this week. My name is John, and joining me this week, as he does every week, is Taylor. Taylor, hello. Hey, how's it going? Um, It has been a whirlwind of a week. but uh, Oh, boy, tell me about it. It is, uh, it's done. The week is over. The, uh, pipes are fixed. Oh, you're in a less crappy situation. That's good. Hey, to do. Hey, zing. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, and things are going well now. I go, I head to Disneyland on Thursday. Nice. Uh, very excited doing the Halloween party the next day with my, uh, sister who has now finished season five of Doctor Who. Wow. She's trucking along. Good job. And uh, my brother-in-law, my niece, and my nephew, we are doing a family costume. We are doing Beauty and the Beast. Oh, boy. And I'm doing a Disney-bound Cogsworth. Are you familiar with Disney-bounding? I, um, that sounds familiar. It is uh, basically the act of dressing up in the color scheme of a Disney character whether it be casual or more fancy. So I am doing a more fancy version of Cogsworth, and I also had I have a giant Flava Flav clock that I will be wearing. Yes. I'm very excited. I haven't seen it. I would be too for a clock like that. I I had it sent to my uh, parents' house. My sister said it arrived today. I hadn't made my way over to check it out yet, but... The costume is complete. I have tried it. It looks very uh, spiffy. Let's go with that. A word that, that has not been used in a while. That is awesome. Yes. Very excited that about that. That is awesome. Cool. So, Taylor. Well, I'm sort of a, spax, a spastic cat in yes. the kitchen right now. I, I don't know if anybody could hear that, but that, that, that that's memers. Hi, memers. Hello, memers. Yeah. I um, I got to hang out in uh, Japantown in San Jose today for a bit for the Shukai car show. Uh, and that was that was a good time and uh, packed, busy. Wow. I would. This is <laughs> very well attended. Um, but yeah, between that and doing some gardening around the house and apparently all the bedrooms are getting ceiling fans now. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Joys of home ownership. It's now great. That we can do stuff. And yeah. Get rid of some horrible bushes that I've hated for a long time. So. <laughs> well, perfect. there's a satisfaction in that. Kobe's doing an awesome job. He's the green thumb guy. I go out there and I get winded really easily and I'm like, <laughs> yep, no, sorry. I hate this bush, but I don't have enough energy to destroy it. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm tidying up the garage. That's what I'm doing. Good. Well, great. Yes. So, as usual, it's been two weeks, so a little little bit of who news. More than I expected we would have. Yeah. uh, This time around, but holy moly, let's, um, and and then 
you threw uh, one at me last minute. Oh we'll yes, I did touch on as well. Well, well, first and and maybe selfishly, I would say most importantly, I've got my plane ticket down to Galley. Hooray! That is very important. Yep, not exactly the times I wanted. I'm like I'm cool with when I'm coming in on Friday. I'm going to get there just after like the dealer room doors open. Um, but flying home Sunday, of course, I'm like trying to book the flight and my son is sitting right next to me and he's asking me what I'm doing. And he's like, no, I, I kind of want you home so you can like play with me a bit on Sunday before I go to bed. And I'm like, okay, I'll fly out at three in the afternoon. Well, I mean, what are you going to miss? You're going to miss the closing ceremonies. Pretty much. Pretty much. I, I think I think really kind of the last panel or two kind of starts at about three. So yeah. hopefully if a uh, friend of the show, Mike Solko, is on anything, it's not going to be at three o'clock on Sunday. Well, <laughs> I mean, this year. that is the uh, the M.A. Solko special. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, hi, Mike. Uh, no, but I, I might uh, also if they do a podcasting one this year, I'm going to do it. Cool. I have uh, committed in my brain to that. But, I mean, it was, I think, three years, maybe four years between podcasting ones last time. Mm -hmm. So, we'll see. Yeah, we will. Um, But regardless, you know, that's it's a done deal. It's going to happen. We've worked out how it's all going to play out. Perfect. Because I live an hour from the airport, so... Wonderful! I am excited yes. about that. I'm excited too. That should be. Uh, I'm. We're. We're. I mean, it's closer than you think. Yeah, I was actually. I was messaging with Mike over the weekend because I was like, "Okay, dude, you know, I can't remember what am I going to be missing at this particular time, typically on a, on a Sunday, and or 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 when I get in on Friday, um, and yeah, it's only what about." Four months away. 130 days, 28 minutes, and 8 seconds. 7 seconds. Not that we're seconds. counting. I just went to the site. They know what Yeah, I doing. figured you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I am, I, I'm so I've excited. been. I've been going to Galley for uh, many years now. So yeah, yes. I'm ready for my second with some of my most favorite people there. I know. Yeah. Uh, uh, I am going to be happy to drop 60 bucks on a picture with Sylvester and Sophie. Yeah, man. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, definitely. Very okay with that. It's going to be great. So, well, in in lieu of actual news to report, the Radio Times has a rundown of everything we know so far about Jody Whitaker's doctor. Long story short, not much, but there's some speculation. Oh, I, I really I've got I've got a bunch of the articles we're talking about. I literally think the only thing that concretely is not speculation in this entire article is that we know that she won't be wearing the black hoodie and coat ensemble. From yes, her which I am 100 percent fine with, mainly yeah. because that's almost a it almost looks like something Capaldi would have worn. So we're mm-hmm. kind of in a that's, you know, the transition to that, I guess. Yeah, everything else is 100 percent. Pure speculation. Is she going to get a new TARDIS interior? Who's going to be the companion? When will the new season air? What kind of a doctor is she going to be? We have no flipping clue, and neither does the Radio Times. But look, they got me to click on an article. Yes, they did. And uh, And, that's basically, um, I'll just let you know, that's basically the article that I sent you from the Mirror, which I'll just interject here. Yeah, let's interject that, because I realize they are related, and it, it... 
reading the article, one, it's the mirror. Go grab your salt shakers. People. I know. And really, I mean, this might as well be the National Enquirer of England. Um, I, I, it seems to me it feels like a, you know, well, here's here's like one thing we know. And here's some things we're just going to either guess at or make up. And I'm not even sure that they know because it seems like they're saying that the, the new season is going to be 10 weeks long rather than 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, but each episode is now going to be a full hour instead of 45 minutes. Yes. Which is, uh, interesting. It is. It, it kind of goes more along the lines of, uh, stuff like say orphan black and Killjoys. They're all getting, you know, 10 episode seasons. Um, but, BBC, of course, not running commercials. When they say you're going to get a full hour, you're going to get a full hour. Yes. Um, I don't know how that's going to translate to BBC America. That will be interesting. Commercials. If this is the case. Well, yeah. So what do they do? Make it an hour and a half? They and would. Add the commercials in and give us the full hour? Um, you know, I would just say see an episode of Sherlock and see how much longer that goes. Yeah, good question. Never I guess. I mean, I don't know. Because usually, I mean, the, the Sherlock episodes are about, uh, I want to say, they're like movie length. Yeah. So, I mean, that might not even be a good example. I mean, you could just look at the time they block off mm -hmm. and see, but I I don't I don't know. Yeah. Well, one of the other things the mirror is claiming, I can't even say reporting, let's just say claiming. Yes. Uh, is, is that Sh uh, uh, Chibnall, a lifelong Doctor Who fan, has also ordered a new look police box. Literally, new look hyphenated. Yes. I don't think anybody legitimately writes like that. A new look police box. This is the mirror. Fair. Now, and I feel like, because it also says the same thing about the the console room, which, fine. Yeah, console room, sonic screwdriver, that's all to be expected. That's, that's Yes. That ruffles zero feathers. I really don't think you you can't change... I mean, you can do the slight changes because then then it's like, well, if the if it can change completely, why is it still a phone box? You know? Well, yeah, and you know, it's like, okay, so the um, what is it? The 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 St. James or St. John, uh, uh, you know, logos back. Oh, you know, the the lights shaped a little differently. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, what do you mean by a new? Look, police box. I mean, is it going to be sleek? Is it going to be bullet shaped? Is it? You know I, mean? <laughs> I don't know. Is it going to be red? Who knows? I, it just uh, that I think is pure poppycock. Yeah. If I may be so bold as to use a multisyllabic British word like that. Well, I also said spiffy. So we're just bringing a whole bunch. All right. of, we're bringing all the words in here. Bringing the heat. <laughs> I love the and and I mean, let's be honest. Their articles. It's they've got quotes. The quotes are not attributed. No, they're it's just, just stuff in quotes. Somebody just put quotes around something. Expect something fresh and brilliant with more of the stories traveling backward in time to interesting historical errors as well as forwards. Like So both. It's just it's so, so we're is. gonna travel forward and backward in time, but it's gonna be fresh and brilliant. And there's gonna be some historical errors. Well, seeing as how everything in the past is part of history, they're all historical errors. <laughs> yes? Yes? Oh man. Am I right? So, ladies and gentlemen, now that my sodium intake has um, increased dramatically, I will close the tab on the mirror. Good call. <laughs> um, for those of you out there who actually enjoyed 
the Doctor Who Legacy, uh, you know, Bubble Bubble, whatever game that was. Right. Um, frankly, I was crap at it. I was terrible. I never I tried played it multiple it. times. I'm like, I just can't get the hang of this. Um, there is a new video mobile game called Doctor Who Infinity. Hmm. I don't even know how they will top it for a sequel at a later date. Yeah. Infinity plus one, maybe. I mean, I guess. Uh, is coming. It's coming in spring 2018, and it features comic book style puzzle adventures. Kind of. Okay. Uh, still along the lines of a Doctor Who legacy kind of thing. Um, I'll be honest. I don't know that I'm going to try it out. Uh, I will give it a look. See, I don't know if okay. I will do anything with it, but yeah. <laughs> it's fine fine with it that's basically what i did with legacy or whatever the other game was called i just mm -hmm. looked at it and went all right and then i just kind of that was the end of it for me yep yep i tried to i you know got a few levels in and then it was like okay i don't i don't know what combination of things i need to be doing right now in order to zap these guys yeah. and move on i'm stuck forget it the art's nice but i'm out oh yeah, now here's the interesting article. I'm kind of excited about this one. So, again, we're going back to the Radio Times, which I put more faith in than, say, the Mirror. Um, but some fans think they may have cracked Mark Gatiss's role in the Christmas special, and it's not at all what we would think. Oh, okay. Because previously, when we talked about it, you and I both guessed, oh, he seems like he might be a young brigadier. That would be pretty fitting. Is he the man who invented... I'm reading this. It, it, it yes. claims that he is the man who invented the blue police box. That's right. So um, it, uh, there's a line in the trailer where Gatiss' character says, These police boxes, they're ever so good, aren't they? And so apparently there actually was um, a man named Gilbert uh. Mackenzie Trench. He was a surveyor and architect working for the Metro Police, known for designing police stations and residential buildings and other constructions throughout the 20th century, and who happened to fight in the First World War in his late 20s, early 30s. And they literally, they have a colorized picture yeah. of Gilbert, and they've got a picture <laughs> of Gatiss from the trailer. And I'll be honest, they look pretty they similar do. they look very similar um you, the, the parting of the hair the mustache i mean right down to gatus's nose honestly yeah um so i would almost go so far as to suggest you know based on reading this article that um somehow somewhere in this christmas special along with everything else that's going to be going on um the first and twelfth doctors are going to come across the guy who invents the police box, and he's going to see the police box and then invent the police box, creating a closed time-like loop. And I'm my head's going to implode. <laughs> That's fine. That that'd be cool. My head imploding is cool. Yeah. No, you know what oh, I mean. <laughs> I do know what you mean. Yes. <laughs> um, but I I I just if that actually pans out to be true, I think that's. That's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be so much cooler, despite my my deep love for the Brigadier. I think something like this is going to be so much cooler uh, if this actually pans out. Perfect. Yeah. I am totally down. Yes. For that, uh, this next bit of news via Twitter, the head of the special effects team that's been working with Doctor Who over the years has confirmed that their involvement will continue into the Chibnall era. Uh, fan that is fantastic news. I feel yep. like we've had a couple of them at Gallifrey before, and they are always very uh, excited about yeah. 
that work that they do on Doctor Who. So good for them. I feel like, yeah. you know, we've seen the the growth. And I mean, we're going to talk about special effects today. Don't Oh boy. Don't you worry. Are we ever? Uh so that's great. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So this last bit of news. New York Comic Con uh just wrapped up. Uh it was this weekend. It was it was neat watching uh, uh some of the the people that I follow either on Twitter or Instagram who were out there uh for it. It looks like it was a blast. And uh, Peter Capaldi was there. Uh, I think uh, I think Promaki was as well. Oh, actually, if I'm not mistaken, yes, yes, she was. Uh, and um, just a massive, massive uh, uh, outpouring of love at at his panel. But it turns out one of the things that he shared uh, in 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 his interview in uh, in his panel was was how he actually found out that the next Doctor was. Definitely not going to be a guy. Oh, um, and we, we will have a link to this in the show notes. It's it really is a great story, but um, uh, and and, and I'll quote here. It's just two short paragraphs. He, he's, he says, "I went into Paul Smith's, which is a very wonderful clothes shop in London, where I buy my suits, and everybody knows me in there." And they said, "Oh, we we just got a call from the Doctor Who office saying, can we have a pair of Peter's trousers, but with a size uh, thirty waist?" And I thought, "I'm finished." I don't need any more trousers because Doctor Who wears Paul Smith trousers for the fashionistas amongst you. So they were obviously looking for a pair of trousers for the new Doctor to wear. And I thought, well, that really can't be a man with a size 30-inch waist. It must be a lady then. Huh. So that that is basically how he found out. Wow. Not specifically Jodie Whittaker, but that right. they were definitely casting a woman. Here, we need a, a pair of your trousers, but much skinnier than you wear, Peter. <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, for those of you guys who obsess about Peter Capaldi, no, it doesn't list anywhere in the article what his waist size is. Sorry. No, no. I assume it's like a thirty-two. I yeah, he is not. He is not portly in any way, shape, no. or form. <laughs> Just we'll go with thirty-two. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so maybe, maybe a thirty-four. Maybe know. a anyway, thirty-four. Let's move on. Uh, this week we watched Terror of the Vervoids. Am I saying that correctly? I believe you so. are. I mean, it doesn't look too hard to say. So, no, nope. uh, I believe this is. Um, where are we now in the uh, trial of a time lord here? Oh, we we are in the, the nine, ten, the eleven, and twelve. Uh, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve is correct. Yes. Perfect. Uh, it's starring yes. uh, Colin Baker as the Doctor, Bonnie Langford as Mel, Michael Jaston as the Valyard, uh, Linda Bellingham as the Inquisitor, and Honor Blackman as Professor Lasky. Yep. And it was also written by Pip and Jane Baker and directed by Chris Clue. And it first aired November 1st to November 22nd, 1986. The parade for the New York Mets was happening at some point during this time. (laughs) And it is the third story of season 23. And we have some story notes. We do indeed. Uh, So in contrast to the events presented on Ravelox and Thoros Beta in the previous eight episodes, the events presented here form part of the Doctor's defense case rather than the Valyard's prosecution. So the Doctor selects them from the future of his personal timeline to defend the case for his continued existence. And we will kind of discuss kind of maybe how smart or not smart that was. Yes, we will. Uh, so I know you sometimes have trouble pronouncing words. I think we're about to find mine. <gasps> yeah. Professor Lasky is a thrematologist. Oh, nailed it. Yeah, you nailed it. 
and created the Vervoids on Mogar to be a workforce to replace robots. Interesting. We'll yeah, let's replace robots with half-human plant people. Plant people. I would think robots would be easier to control, but what do I know? Uh, yeah, I, I would think so. Well, I mean, yeah, we. I mean, we have we have seen otherwise in Doctor Who. Yeah, <laughs> nothing yeah. is controlled. <laughs> um, this also would be the last time in the series that Colin Baker would be seen in the TARDIS console room, as Sylvester McCoy stood in for him in the regeneration scene in Time of the Running. Oh, Sylvester McCoy in a big blonde curly wig. Yes. <laughs> Uh, this is also the first appearance of Bonnie Langford as Mel, who receives absolutely no introductory story and, indeed, no explanation of how she came to travel with the Doctor in the first place, at oh. least insofar as... We are now, concerned. yes, where we yeah. are right now. Now, I did do some poking around on TARDIS Wiki, and it, there actually is a rather long, convoluted, kind of crazy um, uh, backstory and how she came to travel with the doctor that is given over the course of multiple sources. Um, oh boy. So if you want to read it, go read it. Um, but yeah, suffice it to say she's here now. Yeah. And, uh, speaking of Mel, the, the pitch at which she screams at the end of part one at the cliffhanger was purposefully made to match that of the closing themes introductory stinger that's amazing and Isn't uh it? mel man i mean we'll talk about mel at great length we will. but before that taylor we have a synopsis oh we do indeed the doctor begins his defense by showing how he was eventually asked to save the most 80s looking shopping mall and it is the 80s the 29 80s from a roving gang of living garden weeds, along with his new companion, who is hell-bent on giving him carrot juice and starting him on a jazzercise routine. <laughs> yeah, um, alright, so here we are. Uh, with every passing story in The Trial of a Time Lord, I go, oh man, this is the one I'm not gonna like, and guess <laughs> what? We still have not hit that point. Okay, I, I feel I feel a little differently. Oh, Okay. A little differently. I, I, I feel like after the the first two stories, I feel like if I have to point to a weak link, not a terrible link, not a horrible link, but a weak link, I'm gonna say it's this one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Now. All right. Well, what was it about this one that was uh different than than the the previous two? It. You know, it, it it doesn't, for me, it didn't feel like it had quite the same gravitas that the previous two stories, definitely the last story had. And maybe that oh, was yeah. part of it. You know, you come off, you know, the, the, the demise of Perry. Yes. And that's, that's some pretty big, that's some pretty big heavy TV. Um, so to follow up with, uh, this where there's... I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just have this out against Pip and Jane Baker. Um, <laughs> but, but parts of the story seem a little flimsy. There, there are parts that seem a little roundabout. And, and again, that might just be me kind of looking at it in the greater context. Like if I had watched Terror the Vorfroids just completely by itself, which I don't know why somebody would watch it out of context of the other stories, but if, if I were to, I might not feel this way if I'm stringing it along with the whole thing. You know, I, I think that the doctor could have come up with a better defense than 
you know, here I was asked to save these people from these plant people, so I killed them all. Right. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers indeed. Well, <laughs> uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, okay, no, I I I hear you. Uh, I think yeah. for me, uh, I mean, I am. I I think I was just so taken aback because, like, when we are introduced on here on Podcastica, when we're introduced to new monsters or you know creatures of the week or whatever you want to call them from Doctor Who, it's like, oh boy, how ridiculous is this character going to look? <laughs> and let me tell you, um, I thought every single I might be going out on a limb here. I feel like every single costume on this was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought the Vervoids looked amazing. Um, I was shocked, generally shocked, when they we got the, our first full look at them. And I went, oh, they look pretty cool. Totally. And the other thing, I mean, I was maybe going to bring this up at the end, but uh, hey, um, why don't we bring this? Why don't we bring the the Vervoids back? I think I, you could make them legitimately more scary than they already were. Oh, sure. And especially if they have the ability to uh, morph other people into their own kind. That's mm-hmm. even creepier. I think that would be cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I completely agree. I mean, like it, like I said, a week. Link, not a terrible. Right, link. right, right. I, I loved the look of the Vervoids. Um, I think a, a lot of the outfits, like like the the suits that the Megarians yes. wear, I, I swear that this has got to be the inspiration for the the Daft Punk guys. I'm like, oh man, please tell me somebody's going to cosplay one of these guys. They looked so amazing, and also like when they remove, there's a scene where uh, we remove their masks to see yes. what they actually look like, and I was like. Oh man, they even look cool. they look pretty cool without their masks on. Absolutely, yeah, the gold skin and the the little grate. Yes. Uh for a mouth. Yeah, it's it great. it's so Yeah, no, they 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 did a great job. They totally did. The um but there there's there's also something about this um episode that is just so quintessentially 80s. I mean, it yes. literally Oh, well, that, yeah. That lounge just wicker white wicker everything random neon shapes in the background um you, you the, the outfit of i think her name is janet she's kind of like the i don't know concierge desk yes lady you know between that and and the makeup and the hair um you know hyperion 3 is the most 80s space mall you could possibly imagine oh definitely with the pl- what's with all these plants and like their their rec room or not the rec room it yes. almost looked like it almost looked like the food court completely like with random plants just in the food court yes it looked exactly like that and then of course we got all the aerobics and oh my gosh mel just okay what the opening scene and by the opening scene i mean when we first meet mel and she's with the doctor and <laughs> he's like on a stationary bike yes and i my first note is i already love this <laughs> and i mean we're introduced to mel and as you said in the story notes we really don't we don't get her backstory we i mean the only thing we find out i think about it is that they've been traveling for quite a while mm-hmm. and i think that is pretty much it yeah i think at one 
point in one of the later episodes of this story. Um, and, and of course, this is a story we, where he could have used Perry being a botanist and all. Yes. Um, but there's a point where he's inspecting like the the vervoid pod or something. And, and he's asking Mel stuff. And Mel's like, I have no idea. I'm a computer programmer. Yes. And that's that's her that's her, you know, job, you know, which actually for the mid 80s. Cool. Yeah. She is a lady computer programmer. You probably didn't have a ton of those in the 80s. So the fact that she's one, that's great. Um, but yes, if, if you had seen no other scene, you'd been like, OK, so she's what, a personal trainer? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I, I don't know. I don't know. This, yeah. This this was this was Doctor Who addressing the mid eighties, you know, everybody let's get healthy fad. Carrot juice. That was good. I know carrot juice, God help me. Ugh. Man. So no, thank you. I mean, I think uh, another thing for me was in in the in part one, I mean, we got the intro where the doctor says, We're going into the future, but I mean he's clearly very sad about yes. about Perry, as he should be. And it was, you know, nice to see after you know we we all know the whole dr perry thing was kind at first was kind of at least with with colin baker was a little rough and i guess that might be putting Um, it lightly um (laughs) but you know towards the end it was it was great to see them be you know soften up that relationship Mm-hmm. And I also like just Mel in general. I like that uh, the doctor, when he he's taking her back to the the scene of the crime, I guess I will call it, where that guy goes to let her into uh, into where the uh, the pods are, and yes. he just gets electrocuted, and there's explosions, and we talked about the scream. Yeah. Um. He he's like, hey, are you sure you wanna you wanna go back here? I mean, it's cool if you want to hang back. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry about it. I got this. And she's like, nah, I'm good. But... Yeah, this is this is actually one of the things that I I really like about Mel. She is she is you know woman of action. Yes, she and is. Whereas Perry would be like, I I don't like this place. Let's go away from here. Let's go back to the TARDIS. Let's go somewhere else completely. You know? Yeah. Mel's like, okay, well you do this. I'm going to go sneak around and poke my nose into places. And I'm going to go in the vents and save you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think when she heard the voice, she's just like crawling up the side of that wall being, and she she brings up those headphones saying, Mm -hmm. what is going on in this wall? Yeah. It was great. I loved that. Yeah. She is a, she is a go getter and is not afraid to, uh, is it metal? Would it be yes. meddling? Yes. She's not afraid to meddle around. Uh, I mean, we're kind of all over the place right now. Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and, and while we're all over the place, um, I, I think at one point in the first episode of the story, we, we discovered that the door keys on the Hyperion 3 are about as reliable as the ones at the LAX Marriott. <laughs> yes. I have that as a note, and I just remember how many times I had to go back to the front desk and be like, hey, um... Oh, this card key doesn't work again. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. You, it's it's actually a six, not a nine. Yes, I was like nice, <laughs> and also like how many that bit is just. I mean, but you know what? That's also probably happened to a million people where they just didn't. They thought they were in the wrong room. Yeah, and that was uh he the guy who figures that out is the. What is his name? Because I can't remember his name. He is uh, the head of security. Yeah, Rudge. Rudge, who plays a much bigger part 
than we thought he would, or I oh, thought he yes. would. Which is why I had to go back and actually add his name at the note of the guards with strange helmets and stranger staple guns. Oh, good lord! Let's talk about these uh, these <laughs> guns, which I just dubbed upside down Dewalts. Now I'm sure you know what a Dewalt is. I we have a Dewalt. Yeah, it just looked like a mini upside down Dewalt. Like the, whoever does, if there's one thing that was very just off, it was these guns. Yes. Why? I mean, it's the future. Why don't they hold the guns upside down? <laughs> or the phasers. I'm sorry. The phasers. Um, and can, can I just say, ladies and gentlemen, podcast this week brought to you by DeWalt. Yes. DeWalt's uh, a fine, fine product that I used to build sets when I was a tech in high school. And I used some to hang some old road signs in the garage this weekend. Oh, wow. Look at that. They're very useful. They Go are. get yourself a DeWalt. Zing. <laughs> yeah, but this uh, just, is just ridiculous. That was the that was the only thing I took away from them. Was that? They yeah, were... it, it was. You, you just look at it and you're like, wait, what? Who holds? How? How would you even holster that? Thing? I have no idea. But the uh, the thing about part one for me was there wasn't a lot of interjecting from the court. So that kind of for me, when you say. Um, this was the the weak link, not a bad link. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I do agree with that to a point to where we weren't getting a lot of courtroom cut-ins like we had been in the previous two. Yeah, and I, and I feel like in general over the course of this entire story, we don't get as many as we do no. in the previous two. It's almost, it, and I mean, it's almost like I completely forgot. Like, it'll cut in and I'm like, oh yeah, this is in the future. And <laughs> So, yeah, that that was a fault, definitely. And, I mean, I don't know if that comes from because we have new writers for this, for the back half of this, mm-hmm. or or what. Do we have a new director, too? No, I feel like Chris Clue directed the other ones, didn't he? Um, I don't think he's done the did the other ones mm. in Trial of the Time Lord. Okay. But we have had other Chris Clue episodes. Yeah, so, and, I mean, th- that's kind of strange that we're trying to tell this overarching story... And we switch the writers and the director. So it's almost like everything is completely different. I mean, I don't know how big the showrunner was involved in, you know, in Classic Who. I assume a pretty big part. (laughs) John Nathan Turner had his hand on a lot of things. So, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what happened here because we weren't getting the cut-ins. And I, I think that's why I enjoyed... I mean, we were getting them, just not at the extreme amount that we were before yeah and and i mean you know it's tough to say because this is such an unusual um premise compared to say a normal yeah season of doctor who um it, it may just not have been their forte it may not have been something that they really did well they're like we we just want to tell this story and and you know somebody else is having to poke and be like hey don't forget there's this courtroom scene going on. Yeah. oh yeah we gotta okay here let's do this quick courtroom scene. okay back to the story we want to tell <laughs> i don't know i really don't know I, it's certainly possible i will tell you and i believe it is i'm gonna find his name because like all classic who we're introduced to 10 million new characters. The Commodore, I believe, says to the Doctor in episode uh, part one, he says, why is it that you appear and on the scene people begin to die? And Mel's like, hey! And the Doctor <laughs> is so defeated, he's like, no, he's right. 
That's true. Yeah, Commodore Travers, who who apparently has crossed paths with a doctor before, but in terms of the show up to this point, he he hadn't. It actually wasn't until a later book was written that this was explained. Oh, so it, Wilderness Years explained it. Uh, yes. Oh, actually, interesting. I think it, was, it was a a missing adventures novel, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have a I have a note here that says, "Yeah, we need that pillow." What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. I wrote it down. I wonder. I don't know. What if I was talking to someone and now some someone doesn't have a pillow in my life that needed one? Maybe. Oh boy, I don't know. But I mean, uh, basically the part one wraps up with and i mean the whole story is we have these pods well let's not forget who engineered these pods we haven't talked about professor lasky oh my goodness my apologies who is your honor Blackman. blackman who other listeners might realize is pussy galore from goldfinger no yes Oh, look at that. Huh. We have an honest-to-goodness Bond girl Now, was this before? No. Oh, God, no. Goldfinger? Goldfinger's like 1964. Well, Maybe 63. I, I mean, we all know that I really don't know Bond movies. so We we should fix that, because those old Connery ones are awesome. I've seen, like, one. one. No, that's not true. I've seen two of the newest ones. Anyway. Oh, good. Okay. Anyway. Okay, so yeah, um, yeah, wow, I don't, and it's funny because I'm looking at my notes, I really don't have a lot of notes on her until maybe uh, part three, if that. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we get introduced to her, we we kind of like see her interacting with some people, she of course was, you know, confused with the, the six in the nine room. Yes. Uh, that, that same corridor, I think, gets you know reused a couple of times just with different numbers <laughs> on doors. Oh, I think I it's legitimately the same corridor. I would not be surprised. Um, but yeah, she doesn't really kind of factor more largely into the story until later. And I mean, she is. I mean, I guess we find this out later. She and well, you you have already stated that she is uh, somewhat. Res- she brought them to on the ship. Yes. Um, and there's a bit of sabotage going on. We're not really sure what's going on here, but it seems mm-hmm. at the end of the episode, because I feel like we've had a disappearance at this point, right? Oh, the doctor also senses evil. I forgot to mention that. Oh, yes. He senses it. Mm-hmm. And that is brought up later in the court case, where if you sensed evil, what's your deal, man? The Valyard. Right. Freaking Valyard. <laughs> um I just I had to rewatch the uh the scene where the the security guard brings Mel to the uh, what do we even call this room? Is it like the the bot- botanist room or I don't know. Uh, the sure. the green room? The green room? That works. He brings her to the green room which actually is just a a mesh cage, so probably I mean it's the future though, so I guess technology, whatever. Right. <laughs> and he just goes, "We don't want you breaking your neck until and then he just gets electrocuted and Mel lets out a shriek that is I I was like, "Oh my goodness." I oh, was yeah. very taken aback by it. And oh, yeah. I actually really like the the digital and I guess practical effects they used. Mm-hmm. Where there was like it was almost like that reaction of him 
opening the door and uh, triggering the booby trap, it was almost like he had created Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, there's this succession of uh, zaps and sparks and everything, and then, uh, you know, we get some rather, um, I don't know, risque vervoid appendages. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We do. And mm-hmm. it's just like Mel is just completely just shrieks. And I and I went, my goodness, that is. Yeah, she's quite the screen queen. Oh, and I was like, man, do I have to hear? And she does that again at the end of episode two. And I totally had the British. I'm like, oh, boy, every episode is going to end with a scream. I mean, and it, it didn't, luckily. But yeah, I mean, hey, that's a talent. I must say <laughs> it's a good scream. My goodness. So yes, uh, the and I didn't really know what to dub them. I mean, I guess I could have just looked at the title and known what they were called. <laughs> I called them pa- uh, Pod People, uh, Flower Thing, and then I don't know what the other thing was. Probably the uh, the Vervoid, as they are actually called. Um, I liked Monster View. I always love when Doctor yes. Who does Monster View. That's. Yep. Uh, <laughs> It's just great. And this was had like a green hue around it. And there was one part when we were doing Monster View where, and I can't remember what character it was, he opens a door and he just like opens it so wide and it, this guy has no peripherals at all, apparently. Because mm-hmm. this thing is just like staring at him. Like he's opened the door almost fully and he's not even looking as he opens the door. Oh, is this the, the, the old guy? Yes. Yes, when Kimber gets it. Oddly enough, I, I was looking at that guy. And I'm like, he looks really familiar. And I, I had to go back and I had to look up who he was and everything. He actually was also in the fourth Doctor story, State of Decay. Oh. Yeah. That uh, further proves that um, the UK only has about 10 actors. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And in part two, we we do start to get a, a couple of cut-ins yes. from the doctor interrupting, saying, all right, you know what? That's not... When I watched that earlier, that's not how that happened. Mm-hmm. So now you start to question the... I mean, I think we had already been questioning the Matrix. They had been planting the seeds in the past couple of uh, of parts to let us know that something's going on here. Yeah, and I, and I will say this for for maybe at least from my perspective, this being kind of a weaker story is, is we are at the point now where every time they go on about the Matrix not lying, okay, it's old. Yeah, we have heard that so many times now. It's like okay, you, you need to do something with that, and and talking about it for another three parts is not helpful. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I yeah. I mean, but good. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that that. You know, one of the notes I've, I've I've got here now that we we get a courtroom scene is is Valyard misdirection, fake news. Thank God he doesn't tweet. And then I go, oh God, should I start a Valyard Twitter account? Oh my goodness, is it and available? Just, just kind of be like a let's just say modern politics parody account, and just just being like, oh. Look at the doctor. So in typical, because he does this sad, you know. In typical Twitter fashion, mm-hmm. at the Valyard has been taken. Ooh! But here it's it's even worse, Taylor. What? One tweet. Oh! And they joined in 2009. Oh! Destroy them. I know. I'm oh, still cool. trying to get. I'm still trying to get JP3, which is the, oh, still the goal. Wow, the goal. But anyway, so the doctor with the Matrix 
And every time he he says, this is not what happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Inquisitor lets him know, like, hey, are you uh, you still you want to go? You want to go on with this? He's like, yeah, I'm pressing on. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, as you said, may may just end up leading to uh, his demise. It ultimately doesn't seem like the the smartest move. No. You know, the the doctor is a a rebel that way. Yes, he is. And actually, we kind of get two quick cut-ins here to where we press on, and then we... uh, I I love how no one has their translator on whenever someone (laughs) talks to them. So it's just like almost such a needless thing. But I I mean, I guess not, because now we know why they... uh, Because... Oh my goodness! One of the this this scene the scenes with the uh, Magar Magarians 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 yeah um they're just they're they have some funny scenes for me at least just mm-hmm. like miming wise I actually if you go to uh, at the podcastica I made a gif of one oh, where it I was la- delightful to I see laughed really hard yes I laughed so hard my, I heard my roommate laugh. <laughs> because I was laughing. Would you like a drink? <clears throat> Just knocks the entire tray out of her hand. Yes. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Um. So it's at this point that one of them doesn't turn translator on and then, like, chokes to death. Yeah, apparently the translators don't do coughs. No, apparently not. <laughs> and the doctor, he's like, hey. Uh, this guy's not one of them. I'm going to take his mask off. And it turns out that it is it is a character that we had met previously who mm-hmm. apparently goes by two different names. And uh, the doctor kind of uh, puts two and two together. And he comes up with this guy must have been investigating this ship. Mm-hmm. And I love that the Valyard's like, uh, I'm not really impressed with this. <laughs> It's like, shut up, Valyard. Nobody cares what you think. <laughs> right. Uh, we talked about Mel being uh, kind of iffy on going back to the scene of the crime. Yeah. Oh, and then the old dude. And, oh, man, uh, this is kind of where we get the first reveal. In part two, we get the first reveal of uh, of the Vervoids. And I will just state again, man, they did a really good job on on the design. Just the their faces were disgusting mm-hmm. and horrifying their <laughs> voices sounded great yeah i really liked that too and yeah we kind of end part two with another mel scream if i'm missing anything in part two. Oh gosh i'm trying to think let's see um oh well we get we get plant face girl oh is that as the, part of that reveal is that That's at what the end the scream yes okay that is correct. Yeah. So, yeah, we find we kind of uh, open this mystery box in one of the rooms, and I believe it's room six. I don't even remember. I cannot remember. But uh, we get a – it's kind of like um, Picard when he was uh, – He was Borged. When he was kind of Borged. There you go. That's my only <laughs> Star bored. Trek reference. Nice. Kind of Borged. That's my uh, one-man Star Trek. and call it kind of bored. Yeah. I was going to say that's my one-man one Star Trek show. There you go. I kind like of bored. Even better. So, yeah, we discover this woman that's just kind of in a stasis pod. Mm-hmm. 
And then we find out her name is uh, Ruth Baxter. And I, I didn't even notice that. Okay, cool. This is in part three. Uh-huh, which I actually watched part three and four on BritBox. Really? I did. How's the quality on BritBox? I, it's good. Really? Mm. It's good. Now, granted, I mean, it's, you know, when I'm watching it on, on a modern TV, you know, it still has the old... Uh, proportions so you know you got black bars on either side of the screen yeah because it's not in widescreen but the quality was fine good yeah perfect so it was kind of nice to watch on a nice big tv screen instead of my phone <laughs> that's always better yeah so we, we ruth baxter she was the assistant to now was she the yes she was the assistant to professor lasky i believe mm-hmm. and we're trying to uh reverse the condition, y'all. We're trying to make her better because she was pricked with um, one of the spores. Yeah, and uh, the transformation done began. Um, the doctor's trying to. T- he's he's. Uh, oh my goodness. There's this, and there's some scenes in here. There's one scene in particular that I, I'm going to address right now that kind of took <laughs> me out of the whole the whole thing. I was like, okay, that was weird. Where the doctor is talking to the Commodore, Mm -hmm. and he says, you know, we got to find the murderer or murderers, and the doctor's like, yes, the murderers, and he walks away, and he goes, you'll let me know as soon as you get a reply, and he goes, certainly, doctor, I'll match you for, uh, is it Cantor? Cantor. I'll match you for Cantor, and then there is wacky music that happens (laughs) while the doctor goes like, and it's just i was like what the hell just happened oh boy there was a lot of like wacky horns sometimes Mm -hmm. like the music seemed a little weird in parts but uh yeah that scene i I was just I, i understood like it was supposed to be a comedic beat but the music took me out like colin baker's facial expression was enough for me I didn't right, need. Yeah. I didn't need the wacky undertone uh, horn music mm-hmm. that played for about two seconds. <laughs> I, I love that we keep getting these these clues that you know the vervoids are behind this, but it looks like every time they pick up these these leaves, they just look like maple leaves. So I'm sitting here, I'm like, God damn it, it's the Canadians behind it. Yes, it is the Canadians. It has to be. <laughs> They're genetically terror of the Canadians. Tonight on oh, man. Up next on the BBC, Terror of the Canadians. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Where they attack you with spores and then go, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, Mel's asking the important questions now. Yeah. Mel's just like, I'm fed up with this. Tell me about those pods. And the professor tells her that they are, they are transporting giant fruit. And I mean, I'm telling you right now, if uh, if this if this was a rated R show, Mel would have had a completely different answer than she did. <laughs> and this is around the time Mel finds out there's something going on with the vents, and she uh, takes one of the headphones, which I guess kind of was weird because they're headphones and didn't I. Didn't believe them to have a microphone on them, but uh, they 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 do because when she goes in oh. to use the gym, yes, uh, she has a, a back and forth with uh, the, yeah the guy behind the glass, yes, yeah, with Rudge uh, because he's he's setting the the music and then raises the level too high and yeah, 
So it, it does have a microphone, and at some point she gets like a like a strange transmission through the headset. Yes. So, and I, at the moment, can't remember for the life of me what that has to do with. Um, that's kind of where she finds out that the Vervoids are planning to just destroy all of the the animals. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. That's where she finds that out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Well, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go tell the doctor." But she can't because someone gives her the uh, the fresh uh, scent of ether, <laughs> and they put her in a. This is when they put her in the trash bin, right? Yeah, they basically put yeah, like the trash bin or something, and they throw a towel on her. And I have the note. I'm like, I really hope that's a clean towel, Mel. <laughs> and she screams again. By the way, of course, and. Um, I love that the uh, the doctor walks into what we described as the '80s food court. And he's mm-hmm. like, "Is anybody there?" Said the traveler. And it's just like to himself. He's just talking. Yeah. And um, ugh, when he passes the trash bin, the guy is just like, you know, he puts the trash, and he's like, "Oh, sorry," he just walks away. I'm like, mm-hmm. "No, Mel's in there." <laughs> But he eventually, he saves her just in time before she's thrown in the incinerator. Yeah, actually, I think they call it the pulverizer. <laughs> the pul- it would actually probably be easier to incinerate than to pulverize. But okay, I, you yeah. know, that's how you designed your ship. That's fine by me. I agree. Uh, Mel, once again, as soon as she's saved, asking the uh, the good questions. He, why not she? Mm-hmm. Why can't our suspect be a woman? I mean, And she's like, I'm pretty light. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Mel, we get it. I don't remember why, but at some point we get like the Vervoid Rockstar just completely trashing a room. Yes. Okay. So I that don't is remember when... why he does that. I don't either. Um, I almost feel it was like a great scene. <laughs> it was because it was it was happening um, around the time that. Oh, we get that. Uh, where is the seat? Here it is. It's around this time, actually. And we, okay. we get the scene in the stewardess room where the evil doctor is holding an axe and he's like, now, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not what happened. And the Valyard's like, okay, well, uh, what happened then? He's like, well, somebody destroyed it, but it wasn't me. That's not me. And the Valyard throws some shade at yes. the doctor's fashion sense. How That's dare you, right. sir? <laughs> Kind of easy to do with that outfit. I mean, I guess, but how dare you? <laughs> so the doctor questions the Matrix, and I mean, why not? He questions it again, mm-hmm. but this is all he has, so we uh, continue on. We continue on. We have a, a, a fight between, uh, Is it, it's Bushner, right? Yeah. Uh, we, I of... don't even think we've mentioned. No, Professor Lasky has two lackeys. Yes. Say that three times fast. Whoa. Um, yeah. And one of them's like, you know what? I'm not down with this any, any anymore. I'm hijacking the ship. And I'm going to fly it into a black hole that we just happen to be driving past. Oh, yeah. He knocks her out. I thought he just killed her at first. I mm-hmm. went, whoa. And uh, he, karate ch- he karate chops a guard, I believe. Yeah. And- pretty lame karate chop. <laughs> it was pretty bad. And uh, I also love that he dodges a spore from that vervoid when he opens that door with like mm-hmm. like he was Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> I was like, all right, you're not that fast. I'm pretty sure. 
Um, and he takes over the ship. And I also love there's a line that's <laughs> that someone says is the ship was designed to be hijack proof. Okay. Well, clearly <laughs> it didn't work. Exactly. And let's be honest, you don't have to aim for the center of a black hole to do damage. Like no. He keeps trying to like aim it out. I'm like, don't go for the center. Just get closer yeah, to it. Yeah, you'll get sucked you're, into you're it. You're trying too hard. Now, I, I said that I really loved the, the Vervoid's design. I loved everything yes. about them. But Taylor, it turns out they're vapors, so I kind of have to hate oh, them now. they are mad vapors, uh, and they drive Subarus on airbags or something. Oh, like no. Trying to be all down with the kids. Yeah. Just they are vaping, mad vaping their lives away. Yep. Oh, but I can vape in here. No, you can't. Please just stop. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Richard's just driving us to that black hole. Yep. And we open part four, and I believe that both <laughs> both the doctor and the commodore are just like, no, I'll be the one to die. No, I'll die. And it's just like, okay, everybody calm down. Okay, well, I've got a note before that. And this this goes back to kind of this this vervoid thing that's going on. Because one of them comes out of, I think it's like like, like Mel's hiding in a bathroom. Like she's hiding in a shower stall. And the ver, there's just like vervoid smoke everywhere. I think it's a type of like almost like a methane gas that they can produce. I think that Professor Lasky explains um, and I've got the notice like, yeah, never use the bathroom after a vervoid. No, no, please <laughs> she's do not. Coughing and you know, suffocating. Yes. Like, oh, turn on a fan, guys. Come on. And uh, it, we find out the the reason the the doctor and the um, I keep wanting to call him the captain, the commodore. The, mm-hmm. They're both like, no, I'll be the one to go in there. It's because it's all filled up with gas. So yeah. they they cannot go. They can't go in there, but they want to. Real bad. But uh, yep. here to save the day are people that, um, oh, I also love that it's like, can we put on the, the can we put on the gas masks? They're, no, the, the, it'll, I don't know. They're useless <laughs> is basically what they'd say. I don't yep. know. You know, some science plant thing. <laughs> and uh, the Mogarians got this on lock. They got this locked down. They take control of the ship everything's good or so we think yeah because it turns out yes it turns out that um we got a little bit of a heel turn here Mm -hmm. in the name of greed and pride from the uh head of security rudge yeah who has aligned himself with uh with our uh daft punk looking friends (laughs) with with our pushy mogars who who like to uh upturn drink trays and (laughs) I, I I'm gonna just after we're done here I'm gonna go look at that gif a couple of times just because it's I know. just so funny. I almost want to bring it up right now. Now uh, we're we're told and I laughed pretty hard that the uh, Mogarians are peaceful. Yeah, uh, and then moments later they get on the intercoms and they're like, "Hey, if you don't do what we say, we're gonna kill all the hostages." <laughs> well, don't let a few bad apples. Spoiled I, lunch, I suppose. I guess, and they're they're just hanging out in the control room, and I, I mean, this is what I gathered. Taylor is their weakness is is water. Is that somebody just poured water on them? 
You know, I'm 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 gonna reach for this this episode's most obscure reference and say, "Don't get happy fun Mogar's wet." Nice gremlins. Uh, just well, no, actually, I was thinking Happy Fun Ball from a Saturday Night Live sketch from many many years back. Oh, mm. well, yeah, you, yeah, you were correct. Look, look that one up. <laughs> <laughs> happy Fun Ball. And uh, this is around the time Mel is you know traveling around in the vents. Yes, and probably not a good place to be when there's lots of. You know, methane like yeah, around. not what do good. I know? No, it's it's, um, it's not good. Also, probably quickest, most quick foiled hijacking ever. Yeah, they were in control for probably two minutes. Yeah, and that was it. Um, we they become unmasked, and this is when uh, we rejoin everyone in the in the food court, and uh, we let get a hot dog on a stick. Right, we get a hot dog on a stick and some <laughs> lemonade from them as well. Some, Sabaro pizza. Yes, and I believe this is... We tell Rudge that they're dead, right? We're like, hey, Rudge, yes. they're dead. Here's their masks. Sorry, yeah. dude. Can we have that phaser? And the doctor is like, I need that phaser. And Mel doesn't like it at all. Mm-hmm. Which uh, goes to show that she has indeed been traveling with the doctor for a long time. Because she knows this isn't her first rodeo, that he does not yeah. like the guns. And, uh, you know, so he's holding this upside down DeWalt. <laughs> And this is where we find out the master plan, and uh, one of the vervoids overhear it, and they're like, "Hey, we got to kill everybody now." Yeah, I well, mean, I mean, we were gonna, we were gonna, but can we, uh, can we, can we kill them even faster now, please? <laughs> can, can we, can we kill them more now? I, I love how it all comes down to this one dude's mixtape on a red '90s, you know, Memorex cassette. <laughs> oh, because yes, the doctor's going to look for a cassette tape. Yeah. And he's like, I haven't figured out who the murderer is yet. I think it's the professor, or I think it's um, it's it's you, the assistant, uh, Brushner. And he's doing a little bit of, uh, you know, the doctor, as he mm-hmm. does. He uh, makes sure that the, the phaser doesn't work, and he also let the Commodore in on his plan. So we, uh, we capture the crook, mm-hmm. and I believe that... Um, and I keep forgetting his name, but the, I believe Rudge is still running around. He's still running around, right? And then he gets a he gets a fun handshake, or is that oh, or is that yes. Brishner? Well, I, right, not long after the quickest foiled hijacking, I've got Welp. There goes Rudge. Yes, because Rudge uh, reveals that he wants to use he basically wants to use the Vervoids as slaves. Correct. Which was not the, uh, I mean... But let's be honest. I, you're going to replace robots yes. as, you know, the laborers. The, yes, you're going to be slaves. So, yeah, uh, the professor's like, no, they weren't going to be slaves. They were going to be slaves, is basically what she says. <laughs> and it's like, uh, what? So, and, and we also forget to mention there's these uh, crazy rocks that... Oh, my gosh, yes, these these silver... What are they called? Like, pond pebbles. Uh, von Lysium, von Lysium? Vionisium. Sure. I wrote it down. Vionisium. Let's go with that. Vionisium. And, uh, they, they figure out, well, there's only one way to get rid of these, uh, these, uh, oh, I have an obscure reference. Oh, you're going to top me up. <laughs> Did you see it already? No, I have actually. So. Scroll your notes. So. There is a a part where the doctor is explaining to the professor, um, like, no, they don't, you know, the, when they talk about 
they don't want to destroy us. Like Mel, what did they say? And she's like, oh, they said that all the animals were the enemies. And he goes, it's not just us. It's everyone. And Lasky says that she was, uh, and I quote, uh, blinded by professional vanity, which is, uh, you know, a very, uh, it's an unknown and unreleased track by uh, Manford Man's Earth Band. Uh, I don't know if uh, you ever heard uh, the the track it became, which was Blinded by the Light. Uh, Oh, Yes, yes. It, it was originally blinded by professional vanity. Doesn't have as uh, as good of a ring to it. No. Uh, blinded by professional vanity. Oh, it, it just doesn't doesn't fit quite. Yeah. The same. So that's why, you know, it just remains a mystery. Mm-hmm. Too funny. And I love I feel like doesn't the professor go up to that? She's like, no, I'll talk to them. She's like, I, you must know that I mean, you no harm. And they're mm-hmm. like, whatever, you're not a real mom. Who cares? <laughs> and they just, they blast her and get rid of her. That's and right. now I'm a little confused here because mm. we we come upon the pile of bodies. Oh, yes, yes. The they're the, vo- the vervoid collection of dolls. Now, are they dead? I'm pretty certain they are. Because that's... Why they would be collecting them like that, I don't know. That's real dark. Because I feel like I feel like maybe we got a random scene after uh, the demise of the Vervoids that we saw them wake up, but I'm not sure if that's true. I no, I, I don't seem to recall that. So I think th- this is definitely some dark psychopathic Jeez. last podcast on the left kind of stuff. Well, all right, pile of dead bodies on classic that's Doctor right. Who, jeezy <laughs> crazy. Yep. And we get this uh, Vionesium, which is just, they look like silver rocks. Yeah. And Mel is surrounded, and the doctor drops it on the floor, and we're in a rave all of a sudden. Uh, they just, <laughs> just right. she's like, I, I know what I'm doing for a video later. Just just keep dropping it, and they just keep dropping the beat, and uh, all, all the vervoids are like, ah, your newfangled music, we only listen to Manfred Mann's Earth Band. And they all like it's kind of sad. I'm like this. Is- oh, it's, it's horrible. It absolutely is horrible because this stuff burns kind of like like magnesium. And I have been around when somebody has taken a chunk of an old VW engine case, which is magnesium, and chucked it into a fire. Ooh, um, it is a light and a sparking and a and a and a burning of a temperature that you just don't see in nature. Yeah. It's crazy, and the way that they represent it in this in this episode and in this story is it is very much a rave. But at the same time, I also know you know kind of the chemical reaction that happens. Like you don't throw water on a magnesium fire; that is just going to make it burn more. Oh yeah, because it is so hot, it will separate the hydrogen and oxygen and burn them. Um, so I'm really hoping that all the humans in this scene are shutting their eyes and holding their breath while this stuff goes <laughs> off because it will kill them otherwise. So uh, everyone escapes except for the vervoids and they kind of die a sad death. They are mulched. They are very mulched. Um, mulched. Everything is, is well, I guess. Uh, the Commodore doesn't want to see the doctor ever again. Yeah, understandably. Which is great. And uh, I mean... Uh, 
did the TARDIS look kind of green to you? The whole episode, the TARDIS looked kind of green. I think that was just the lighting, honestly. I mean, I guess. It it had like a weird bluish-green tint to it. Mm-hmm. And it definitely did. we wrap up everything. <sighs> and the Doctor has uh, painted himself into a corner here. Yep. And we uh, we bring up old Article 7. To which my note is, lol, Article 7 He was Article 7 which means uh, genocide is now on the, uh, the table. Uh, we've got genocide on the table for six pounds. <laughs> six pounds? Anyone? Anyone? Six pounds. Six? Yes, sir. Eight pounds. Eight pounds? Anyone? Eight pounds? Genocide? Eight pounds. I think it costs a lot more than that because the doctor probably going to lose his life here. And, uh... I think we get a zoom in too. The good oh, old zoom in. Yes. This I think the trial of the Time Lord is is well known for one thing and that is that zoom drama. Yes. And uh yeah, here we go. <laughs> so we got a we got a two-parter coming up. I know, only a two-parter. Look My at gosh. us. Uh the ultimate foe, which I would assume is the Valyard cuz he's a uh, man, that Valyard. What right. a, what a jerk. Uh <sighs> Brickyard. <laughs> it stars Colin Baker as the Doctor and Bonnie Langford as Mel. It was written by oh, written Check by Robert Holmes, part thirteen, and part fourteen was written by Pip and Jane Baker. Which mm-hmm. that is that's a new one, huh? That's strange too. It is. You feel like it'd be reversed. You would think. I'll be curious to see. Do we like part 13 better than part 14? Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. And it was directed by uh, Chris Clue. So uh, here we go. I mean, we're we're in, we're at the end here. Yeah. We we're, we have almost done it. In in two weeks, we're going to have to th- actually think of what we're going to watch next. Oh, well, whose turn is it technically? Would it be uh, mine? Oh, jeez. No, because uh, you picked the first one. I went with the second one. Yeah. So then technically, technically, I picked the third one. It would, it would be back to you. Okay. Um, that gives me some time to think. I, I yeah. think I'm going to go some new who. Oh, well, all right. Because we, we've done a pretty long dive into some classic Yes, we now. did. Ooh, and maybe so. uh, we'll talk about that off air. I, yeah, I yeah. might have a suggestion. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a lull. I can uh, understand that. I still I still enjoyed this. Maybe, maybe I enjoyed. And you know what else we didn't really talk about? We didn't talk mm. about the effects on uh, Ruth Baker. I thought her, the makeup job on her was great where you had, like, that weird like vain kind of yes you know what I, and I had a note about that too yeah the, they they did a really good job you know having these little probably little air tubes that made it look like these veins that were on her face were Ugh. breathing or Ugh. pulsating i should say it, it was really well done yes very well done so i mean you know visual effects practical effects were pretty cool the story mm-hmm. kind of lacked a little bit a little bit but, um, yeah, I think it's getting us to where we need to be, which will be the yeah. ultimate foe. All right. So you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at the Podcastica. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JP Thrice. And you can follow Taylor on Twitter at Apex Buddha. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search Podcastica. Look for that Gallifrey in writing. And rate and review us as well. Give us a little five-star rating. It helps us. And uh, we would appreciate that. You can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud. Uh, still chugging along, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> SoundCloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G. Uh, head on over to NOTLG.Spreadshirt.com. Buy one of our podcast shirts designed by my friend Rachel. She did a great job. Uh-huh. 
And uh, patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. Support us because we like making stuff for you. Oh, and the, the Y-Axis. Check them out for sure. They do our music, uh, theyaxis.bandcamp.com. They're also on Spotify. And uh, that is it for us this week. Join us again in two weeks when we wrap <laughs> up an entire season of Classic Who. Look at us. Right? Well, yeah. So we will uh we will talk to you guys then. Thanks for listening. See ya. This has been a Night of the Living Geeks production. For more information and content, visit NLTLG.com.